The first step in getting closer to God is to realize that you need to or that you want to. And the second step in getting closer to God is to realize that it's possible. I want to encourage you to check out my book, Getting Closer to God, Anthologies from the Forefront Trilogy, Book 2. I think this will really be helpful to you in your pursuit of the Lord and help you understand what I learned over the first 30 plus years of my life as a believer, as a minister, and as a missionary in uh, a lot of the countries of the earth. Check it out. Anthologies from the Forefront, Book 2, Getting Closer to God. It's on Amazon. Take your leadership to the next level. It's time for the Foundational Missions Leadership Moment with Scott McClelland of FX Missions. Hi, Scott McClelland here with your FX Missions Leadership Moment. Hey, thanks for joining us. And just a little housekeeping item here. We have some trouble on the audio on this track. And sorry for that. We felt like the subject was important enough that we go ahead and publish. But we do apologize in advance for any inconvenience that you have in hearing it. We've done our best to clean up the tracks. There was just some difficulty in the recording itself. Sorry about that. If you'd like to contact me or us, please do so at fxmissions.com. Thanks. Hi, Scott McClelland here with your FX Missions Leadership Moment. Glad to have you along, and thanks for joining us. Tell somebody about the Leadership Moment if you're listening. If not, no worries. Yes, we're happy today to be joined by Tony Hedrick. Tony, how are you? I'm all right. Well, not really, but I got a really bad head cold, but... I'm from Oklahoma, so nobody will know. I always talk through my nose anyhow, so they're not going to know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll leave that laying there about Oklahoma. I'm not going to pick that up. It's been well over a year since we recorded. I, I, I yes. found it hard to imagine. With that in mind, I'm thankful that you've agreed to join us, even after the embarrassing no. session we had last time. No, I thought it was pretty good. <laughs> it was one, one of the best ones. I, I'm just being silly. Yeah, no, thanks. Tony and I today are going to talk to you and talk with you, so give us some feedback, about Christian masculinity in leadership. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh-oh. So hopefully that's what we'll talk about. We have devoted a lot a lot of time to uh, ladies in leadership on the uh, leadership moment, which is yeah. appropriate, but I've never done a session on this, Tony. So thanks for joining us for this. Well, the, the problem with this is I set myself up to be an expert. You know, if you're going to talk about Christian masculinity, <laughs> then, uh, you, you sort of set yourself up as well. I am the example of Christian masculinity. And I, that's not what I have in mind here. You know, we're all kind of learning no, what that no, no, means. No. Of course. Yeah, of course. Yes. And myself included, I, I am super interested, and I think that's what makes for a good conversation, yeah. is people who are interested in the subject, not necessarily experts. And I'm sure there are people who are experts. We're not them. But, uh, you know, I've had a 10-year-plus, maybe quite a bit more than that, actually, experiment going in Christian masculinity and leadership. So, And, and you've had a, a few more than that. So. Uh, we've had some experiences and I understand you guys just got finished doing a, a men's conference in, uh, in Italy. Where was that? Well, what we did is we went to, it's really beautiful. It's uh, Lago Garda, which is Lake Garda, 
which is a near own. It's just a beautiful lake. It's like like uh, Lake Como, mm-hmm. and they got a hotel there for. I think we had about 35 guys from about, I'm going to guess, about 13 different countries and about, well, four churches all together came together. And the problem was, is even though it's a beautiful area, it's the one of the white wine-growing areas. It's just beautiful with the vineyards and everything around there. But we couldn't see a thing because we had socked in weather for two days. Oh. But we were kind of shut in together, had a good time talking to these guys. A lot of these guys... You know, in a group of about 30 there, you have maybe 10 or so that are Italians, maybe 12, a dozen. And then the rest are from South America and Africa and the Philippines. And so you have a real mix of guys. Mm. What you have to do, kind of find the sweet spot with all those different cultures. It's pretty interesting. But, uh, you know, the one thing you don't have to do, there's a little bit of a joke about, with this immigration, you know, they talk about a mm-hmm. lot of uh, people from South America and Honduras and Mexico coming in the United States. And the thing was, well, there's no shortage of, no labor shortage in America. It's just nobody in America can start a Briggs and Stratton engine anymore. And uh, <laughs> you have to head over to South America and Central America to be able to start a Briggs and Stratton engine. And in, in some ways, there's some truth to this. Uh, when it comes to being male, uh, these guys that I'm with there are from agrarian backgrounds. They're mostly rural guys who understand what it is to do hard work every day. There's just a book written recently. It's about politics in America called uh, From Prius to Pickup. And they were trying to show that a lot of the voting blocks in America along the East Coast and the West Coast and then the flyover country – is that's how it's divided, people who drive Prius and people who drive pickups. And they actually did a study <laughs> on this. And they also did a study on the kind of dogs people own. Isn't that weird? That is. And found out that in New England and, and down the coast, west coast, that the dogs are different. The choices of dogs. <laughs> I mean, nobody has a hound. They have a lap dog. So there, there is a thing that's happened, I think, in America. I'm not the first person to think about this, but there's become kind of a softness in, in being male, where males aren't necessarily assertive. Now, it's not true everywhere, mm-hmm. but that has kind of happened in a way. But that wasn't true in South America or Africa or even Asia. Right. Where are called out to be men, but the problem is sometimes that masculinity is overbearing. It can yeah. be very top-down, very macho, machismo. And so to try to teach people how, how it looks to be a Christian, it's, you've either got one problem or the other. You either have the problem of the feminization of the church, that is, men have become all soft and they like to sing and sway and hold hands. <laughs> or you've got the other, which is this top-down Napoleon, Mussolini leadership style. What I'm trying to do is try to say, okay, what does it mean? What does it look like? To be a Christian male, and people like John Piper has written an article on effeminization of the church, and people like John Eldridge, uh, Wild at Heart, they're mm-hmm. people who have looked at this and said, well, what does it mean to be an evangelical male, mm. Christian male? Right. So that's the kind of direction I took there. Well, that that's super interesting, and I appreciate your scan on that. One thing that is not lost on me in terms of what you were saying is you didn't include Europe in your example. And you and I have talked about how we 
culturally in the U.S., are kind of following Europe in so many ways. Yeah. And Canada is a little bit in front of us culturally right. as it compares to Europe. I don't know. You could say we're X years behind culturally Western Europe. What can you say about that in consideration to our subject of Christian masculinity without making anybody mad? The real sad part of this is, is that you do have to generalize and you have to talk in kind of big pictures. Uh, right. In Europe, they've grown up in the Eastern Bloc under communism, where it was top down, where the, the mm-hmm. people growing up in Slovenia, Slovakia, Serbia, Bosnia, Ukraine were told, but until they were told what to think and how to behave. And so the, the idea of individualism and independence was removed. And then people in the Western Europe grew up until the Enlightenment underneath the uh, Catholic Church, which was a top down approach. Which is very hard now yeah. in Europe to get believers, males, to step in and to lead. They've grown mm. up under a priestly model where the ordinary guy didn't lead. You had to have a PhD or had to be raised up in a family and be the, the one child, the one boy of the whole family who becomes a priest. Right. And they've all popped down to. So for us to get in Europe to get Europeans to step up and to take responsibility in the church. It's Mm -hmm. very tough because they don't have that model for them very well. Right. Uh, The name of our conference, by the way, was Never Give Up. Mm. That was the name of it. And what came to mind when I heard about the subject was, you know, Winston Churchill, that great speech again, never, 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 never give up, you know? So when I talked to them about leadership, I said, "What, what do men what do we like to look at for leadership? I mean, when we watch Private Ryan or Schindler's List or we watch uh, Braveheart or uh, Gladiator, any of these movies, we all want to be that guy who stands up and says, come this way. You know, we all want to come out there yeah. like Mel Gibson on the black horse with the sword in our hand screaming at Sons of Scotland. Mm. You know, that's that's what men really want in their lives. They don't want a passive Christianity, but the problem is, is on the other side, you have Islamic masculinity, Mm. which is very attractive to disenfranchised males in, for instance, England. Mm. There's been a lot of English guys become Muslims because of Muslim maleness. And we just don't show that picture of power under control. We don't show that in our churches very much. And so boys don't aspire, unfortunately, to become leaders in the church because Mm. the leaders in the church have often been women, unfortunately, because they have servants' hearts. They'll do that work. So I would just try to say, what does it look like? Now, I know I'm talking too much, but what I did was I took that Mel Gibson scene, which every Italian had seen that. It had been translated into Italian, so they'd all seen it. And they remember that scene. I don't know if you remember it, but Mel Gibson oh, yeah. with a sword raised. We look at that and we say, yeah, right. That's the kind of leader. But I said, did any of you see The Darkest Hour? That isn't mm. always the way leadership looks. Look at Winston Churchill. Right. A little guy, he looks like he ought to work as a clerk in a grocery store, you know? <laughs> and yet he yeah. faced down not only all of Germany, and the axis, but he faced down his own parliament. He faced down his own party. He faced down his own nation. And then at Dunkirk, what did he do? Dunkirk was a mess. 
They were all dying on the beach. And he stood up mm. and he told these ordinary guys, these ordinary guys who weren't so soldiers, who weren't sailors, get in your boats, get your boat mm. and go get those guys. We've got to get wow. on the beach. And so 850 boats took off. These were yachts. These were fishing boats, small pleasure craft. And in eight days, in eight days, they took over 300,000 of those men off of that shore and took them back across. And it sort of reminds you of that Queen Esther thing, you know, where she said, you know, if I die, I die. <laughs> right. Yeah. It was really, so I said, leadership doesn't always have to look like this heavy handed masculinity, you know, this machine gun style of leadership. So this is what we talked about. What does it mean to be a leader from below? from coming underneath and resourcing your mm. wife and resourcing your family and resourcing the church. And I said, Jesus had to make a, he braided the whip himself. So there's a place. Wow. There's a place, there's yeah. a place for standing up and braiding the whip yourself, but that's not the kind of leadership that Christians are supposed to model. Wow. Tony, we're, we're going to have to make this into a couple of sessions here. Right. So let's, let's take a pause right here and we'll, we're going to double back here on a second session. We'll grab that, and we may need three, but that's okay because this subject is not getting enough attention. I'd really like to to add what we can in terms of observation and what what occurs to us about it. We'll continue the thought on the forthcoming leadership moment. Before we do that, if there's someone that wants to find out more about what you guys are doing or find you on social media or wherever, what w- where would you send them? ACCI, which is Adventive Cross Cultural Initiatives. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find us at www.adventive. That's like adventure and uh, inventive together, adventive.ca. Now, that's not common, CA, because our roots are in Canada. Okay, so folks can go there to see what, what's up at ACCI, adventive.ca. Very good. I'm Scott McClelland for the FX Missions Leadership Moment. To contact me or us or to check out what we're doing, take a look at fxmissions.com. And uh, thanks for joining us. This Leadership Moment was produced in partnership with Engaging Missions. Have your leadership question answered by contacting Scott at scott at fxmissions.com. Visit FX Missions to learn more about how you can grow your leadership and engage in missions. Visit engagingmissions.com for encouragement, insight, and resources from missionaries, ministry leaders, and church planters. 